0: Hey everyone, it's uh, Ali and podcast. We have Louise Fritschofsen here with us. Hey Louise, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm good, thank you, how are you?
0: I'm good, I'm good. Louise is a serial entrepreneur and she's done a number of different really, really cool ventures that we should talk about. But I'll actually give it to her to introduce what she's done in the past and what she's currently working on.
1: Thank you. So I am a serial entrepreneur coming from Sweden. I moved to San Francisco about five years ago with my third venture. So prior to, this, uh, prior to this move, I started an e-commerce. This was probably like 10, 11 years ago that I had acquired. I moved on to building a media company, starting as an ad network and then growing into a media company with all types of services that exists now in five countries. I ran it as a CEO for five years and took it to three countries. I later started Vint, which was a marketplace. I moved to the US with Vint uh, that we raised capital for pre-launch, uh, did amazingly good doing this marketplace in the fitness industry. So what we wanted to do was an Uber X for fitness in short. Uh, needed to pivot at one time and now the company is a SaaS company. So delivering a booking tool for fitness studios and gyms, and just recently we hired a new CEO at Vint. So now I'm getting ready to uh, to go on my next adventure.
0: That is super cool. From ad network to a fitness company, why the why the distinction? Why start the ad company first, and then why go from ads into fitness and not another ad company?
1: Yeah. So my journey has been uh, has been at different stages, right? So initially. Both with the e-commerce and the media company, it was basically seeing needs that needed to be filled. So initially in my, in my career, what it came down to was seeing opportunities and seeing solutions for these. So both the e-commerce and the media company was essentially gaps in the market where I felt like I could just execute and fill those gaps and build a great company, which was true. After five years of the media company, um, I came into this you know, daily struggle, I guess of like everything i was doing was just to try to increase profits and margins and i just felt like running a company is hard work you need to work really hard i still am in the camp that i believe that hours count i don't think you can work smart if you're an entrepreneur you need you need to work hard and a lot and if you're not excited truly excited about what you're doing at one point or another you're going to burn out And I found myself at that point, uh, after five years at the media company, I found that I wasn't working as hard. I wasn't working as um, many hours were as good. And I started trying to take the business into directions where the business was not supposed to go because I needed something new. I needed to, to have a vision and a mission that I believed in more than just profit and margins. So the fitness company was my first startup where I really tried to dig into what is my passion. And um, I am very passionate about fitness and health. So Vint was essentially a company where I tried to help people get started. Vint was targeting everyone that is not working out, everyone that has a problem getting started with fitness. So I tried to make the world healthier. To be fair, that's where I ended up now. Vint is a beautiful company, a SaaS company that delivers a software to fitness studios but we no longer have the direct to consumer angle where I can feel like we have a direct impact on people's life. So now I'm looking at new opportunities. They tend to be in the nutrition health space. I am to be launching something very soon. And again, I'm trying to find something that will essentially make people healthier, where I will have a better and bigger impact on the world. Because I know what you know, that's what I've learned from myself uh, these last years, that I need that to to keep pace up and to build a really big company in the end.
0: So could we say that the mission that Vint had was to try and make people who haven't worked out before get into workouts? And then eventually that mission kind of shifted into more of a B2B play where it was like, let's help studios and gyms um, actually manage people that are working out. Is that kind of correct?
1: That is correct. Yes. One part of the Vint software is still that we, uh, we, we do a better job than the under, other softwares out there to try and help the, the um, participants, the members of the fitness studios to stay active. But it's, it's not the, the first-hand customer that Vint's is dealing with. It is a B2B SaaS. So yeah, the transition just made it clear to me that I, I'm not going to be able to spend the energy and the hours that is needed to take this company to the next stage.
0: And and then what was the vision for, for the ad company, for ad profit? What did you have as the initial vision? And then what was the vision morphing into that? You were kind of like, I need to get out of this because this is not who I am.
1: Well, the vision actually stayed the same. And as I said, like in the beginning of my career, I was really good and I still am. I'm really good at like figuring out where there's gaps in the market, where there's opportunity and where you can find a solution. So uh, ad profit, I started that company in Sweden. It was really hard to find business decision makers, sort of the affluent targeted audience, uh, when you were creating and sending out digital ad campaigns. So I created an ad network specifically niched and targeted to this audience. And it worked great. And then from that, the company has grown to be a bigger uh, media company. So we represent BBC and Forbes and LinkedIn and so forth in the Scandinavian region. Uh, We don't, just do ads, we do editorials, we do you know podcasts and so forth. so it's a beautiful company. it still has that niche, it still has a great home and and need in the market. uh It's just that I grew out of sort of the the chasing the opportunity only I now need after like six years as an entrepreneur, I came to the conclusion that I needed something more. I needed a vision and and a mission that I can really like be passionate about to keep spending the hours and energy.
0: And was Ad Profit the first business you ever started? Or was there a business before that that you had worked on?
1: Yeah. So before that, I started an e-commerce. This is 10, 10 11 years ago, I started an e-commerce. We, what we did was selling hostry, meaning like quality, high quality and high branded stockings for, for women on a subscription basis. So this is just a really good timing to do this because 10, 11 years ago, e-commerce was still pretty new. I mean, a lot of happened in 10, 11 years. We think it's crazy that 10 10 years ago, we weren't buying everything online, but that was the case. And uh, more importantly, like subscription wasn't a common thing. And at this time, it also sounds weird, but like getting high, like branded hosiery in in Sweden that breaks, you need to remember stockings and hosiery, they break all the time, da, da, da. You needed to go to like specific stores to get them. So they weren't easy to come over. So that was a very niche, very, very niche e-commerce that also solved the problem of like, oh my God, women are using all these stockings and branded hosiery and they can only get it a few places. They need it on a constant basis because they break all the time. Why not create uh, an e-commerce where you can get them through a subscription service? So that was very, very, very clear. Just like one problem and one solution to that, to that, uh, to that company.
0: What's fascinating to me is that you, you started this, this, I guess, fashion company. It sold like one or it sold to one niche market. And then right when you were able to sell this company, you then quickly jumped onto this ad network, which was like this massive, I guess, semi conglomerate that was serving multiple different niche markets. And then you finish up with that ad network. And then you jumped into like this workout uh, software, if you will. Um, And then now you finish with that and you're jumping onto your next project. And it's like, my my biggest thing is, how do you, how are you so good at jumping?
1: So it's not ideal, right? (laughs) So to be honest, like if you know uh, an industry, well, probably most people would recommend you to stay in that industry and just like dig in. And do your next thing within, within that industry. But again, I, I think when you have the culmination and you, you're growing into the culmination of like, you can see problems and find solutions for them. And then slowly you, you, start, you start noticing and realizing you need to follow your passion. It's going to lead you at different, in different directions. I have to admit like the time in a startup that I love the most is like the first year. The first year is amazing because you learn so much. And I think the best thing you can do in your life is just learning new things. So currently I'm looking at this big opportunity, which is, it's really weird, but it's in China. I'm not Chinese. I, I haven't worked in China before. Of course, it's like an enormous task of just trying to, you know, take something on in China. But learning about a market, learning about a new market, a new industry, Uh, trying to figure out how how everything works, trying to master something new uh, just gives me a ton of energy. So I think it's, it's the combination of like trying to figure out what your passion is together with realizing that I'm realizing that I love learning new things and new industries will have me drawn to these new industries at all times.
0: How is that jumping possible? So I'll I'll kind of refrain in kind of going through my own experience, right? So I finished working on a social food delivery startup called Meal Surfers, ran it for about a year and a half, sold it to a small fund in in Canada. And then after I sold it, I was kind of like, I did it. Like I, I did what sort of every entrepreneurial checklist needs to be like. And then I sat back and I was like, well, what do I do now? And what I wanted to do now was to start another business, but I just couldn't. For some reason, get into it. Like, I just didn't know how to jump into a different field. I had all these like food tech ideas, all these like logistics and delivery ideas, but there was stuff that I didn't want to do anymore. I really wanted to focus on a different side of passion and I wanted to build a much bigger business. But it's been almost three years since that time. And although I've started small things, I haven't really gone off and started something big. How have you actually gone off and said, I'm just going to go and start something and it's going to just, And it just works.
1: Again, if you, I I hear you, like sometimes if you, if you've done well, you've uh, had a company being acquired. So I had one of my companies being acquired. The two other ones I've transitioned to a new CEO, but I'm still main shareholder, which, which creates for a, for a comfortable position, right? I'm eager. Like I'm really, really eager. I'm not Elon Musk and I, maybe I could be, I've done well, but I haven't done as well as I maybe could. So I think a part of it is you need to have some hunger. I, I mean, I think the, the entrepreneurs that are always going to do best is either the ones that don't have any money and they need to survive. They need to be successful to survive. I always want to bet on those entrepreneurs because I know they're going to work day and night. They have no other option than succeeding. Uh, then you have the entrepreneurs that have a ton of money and time they will also succeed. Anything in the middle where you're like you're comfortable and you're pretty happy with with where you are, but you don't have the pressure to really really make it or you don't have, you know, an enormous amount of money that you can just pour resources and and time on it. That's a really really tricky tricky situation to be as an entrepreneur because running a business, you know it too, is hard. It takes so much out of you and you know after do- doing it once, you know that it's That is that. What what it takes, right? Uh, And I think a part of of my journey of like why I'm jumping again is just because I I'm I'm having fun with it. So um, I'm having fun with it. I'm I'm loving learning new things. I'm loving learning new industries and markets. And I'm still my energies can be different depending on like where I am. So at the end of when we pivoted, Bint, for instance, why I managed to push through with the pivot and and bring it to where it is today was because I I needed to prove to myself and everyone else that it could be successful. So that was like revenge energy. And you need to admit that as a founder too, you're going to have different types of energies that are driving you forward. It's not always going to be just joy and pleasure and you're having fun. It's going to be different types of energies that help you push through and succeed. So for instance, at the end of the Vint journey, it was revenge. Uh, and, and, and 100% revenge because I I was really frustrated that our marketplace idea didn't hold up for the, for, for a number, a number of reasons. Right. Mm -hmm. And now that I look at my new idea, I am in a very comfortable position, but I'm hungry to do better. I know I can do better. I know I can build a bigger company. And I think I just need to prove it to myself. I maybe that's going to, that energy is going to die off one day, but I still have that energy. And that, that driving force that I want to, I want to have a big impact on the world, I guess. I, I, I feel like I still have that energy to change people's life to the better. And then if, if, if you have any type of energy and it doesn't matter which one really, but you need, you need to have that driving force to, to push you over the edge. Does that make sense?
0: That, that definitely does. Have you ever failed and, and have you like taken that as like a, a lesson and, between these startups, has there also been like a, a lull where you don't know what's going on?
1: Man, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for 11 years. Talk about failures throughout that time. <laughs> any, any entrepreneur that says that he or she has not failed your time is bullshitting you. And it's a part of the journey. Uh, and, and then it, it depends on like how, how hard you fail, right? So in a startup, you will fail multiple times. You will fail with hiring wrong people. You will fail with not firing them fast enough. You will fail. You will. You will fail with uh, launching the wrong products. Uh, I mean, there's there's so many failures that will slow you down. That will cost a lot of money. That will almost break the bank. Uh, that will threaten your company's existing existence for sure. Not talking about like your own energy deposits. Like just a failure within a company that is not life threatening can still take so much energy out of you that it's going to cost you. You know. Success over a long period of time, or or a decreased success over a long period of time. So I absolutely am guilty of doing all of those, and without them, you, you're you're not going to ever going to get better. So I'm happy to have these failures. Um, some of the big ones that I've done is I, the first um, time I took ad profit into a new country that was Denmark, we completely failed with uh, the expansion into a new country. I was way too excited. I was running way too fast. I did not do enough homework. I did not have the right partners. I ran it as an MVP, uh, which to some extent can be okay, but you will end up having a lot of legal problems (laughs) when it's an existing company MVPing into a new country without having legal documents and, and papers and partners in order. So I've done some epic mistakes with, internationalization that, that, that have helped me understanding what it means going to a new country. And after that, we came back and we did it properly, but that was an extremely expensive failure, going into a market and not doing it properly, not understanding the cultural differences, not having the right team, uh, so forth. There, there's, I can have a, an entire podcast just talking about that failure because it's, it's something that I, I, I wish for no one else to go through. And then, of course, you don't pivot a company when everything's, you know, fantastic. So looking at Vint, we were a marketplace. I was super passionate about running a marketplace, helping people people to become healthier. And what we did was we did really, really, really well on the consumer side of the marketplace. The supply side, and the idea of the the marketplace was to use a peer-to-peer model. So if you're good in a sport or workout, you could come to the platform, get certified, and then... Just post whatever hours you are available to host a one-on-one or a small group session. Today, we have seen plenty of companies that have tried the peer-to-peer model that it, peer-to-peer just simply doesn't work for the majority of, of services. We experienced this too. So as soon as we hit scale, we had about 20% of our supply side that can constantly just did not deliver what they were supposed to. Um, but 20% of the platform, um, you know, did not show up, uh, arrived super late, canceled a few times, canceled last minute and so forth. And, uh, we, we probably spent a good four months trying to fix the supply side to keep on going with the marketplaces. we had good data on the consumer side, but in the end we needed, we needed to pivot. And that was really, really hard for me because number one, we didn't pivot fast enough. So we basically had no money in the bank. And number two, you know you know all the mistakes you've done by them. You know that you should have pivoted earlier. You know that you all the testing that you did to try to get the supply side in order didn't work. Uh, you know that you'd been focusing on the wrong things of the business, looking at the wrong KPIs initially, because then you would have seen this. You know that you should have tested with larger uh, scale, doing an MVP somehow to see that this supply side holds up with, with a scale and so forth. So uh, that was extremely hard. That was like a really, really hard hit. I lost my co-founders. They were done. I totally get it. Uh, we parted with, you know, in, in good ways, but they, they couldn't go through the pivot. It, it, it hit them too hard when we failed with Marketplace. So essentially it was like starting over with a new team uh, without really any finances and like very, 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 very low budget uh, to make it through, uh, to have this company be a SaaS company. But that was, that was like really, really tough. And like, I have plenty more, but I guess these are two, two examples that, that stands out.
0: That, that, sounds like, that sounds like a lot of different kinds of failures.
1: Wonderful. I, I, I just think uh, to the comment of this, I think it's really important as we as entrepreneurs and like in the startup industry opens up, like always when you hear interviews and people talking about their startups, everyone says it's like, you know, green acres and sunshine all the time, which is bullshit. Because startups is hard and you need to fail to learn and to build great companies. So I think it's great that you asked, asked the question. I think it's important that, um, yeah, just the community opens up and, and shares these, uh, these failures uh, so that we can all do better.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I wanted to ask the other question, which is wh- what have you done kind of during the downtime between ideas? But I guess what I really wanted to ask was how do you come up with the next idea? What are you doing? Um, in the process of winding down from your existing role and realizing I'm going to jump into a new role, how do you actually decide a new idea? Do you do market validation? Do you talk to uh, a friend? Um, are you even the one that comes up with the idea or do you just see an idea that's in the marketplace that's not going well and then you want to do 10x better?
1: So first off, I, I always need to take some time in between, you know, startups, uh, just like freshen up. So, um, I've been pretty good with like trying to, to wind down what I'm doing, meaning like I'm I'm still available and I work a few hours and, and doing that while just like trying to get some, some new air. And then I love the MVP stage when coming up with, with ideas. So, so far I've never used someone else's idea. And then again, I'm sure like any idea that I have a million other people have, have thought of it. You're not that unique, but Um, I haven't seen anything that I've been trying to copy or do better. It's, it's usually a problem that I see that needs, uh, that needs a solution. And usually what I do is I'm pretty quick with setting up tests. So usually with one problem, you will, you can figure out a number of different solutions. So let's say that, uh, baby foods in the U S are shitty. They have corn syrup and maltodextrin, uh, then, you, of course, you go in and you look at like, what are the few good companies that are doing this? Uh, what sets them apart? Why, why are they not? Or why are they really big? And what could be solutions to outcompete them or at least be as good, preferably outcompete them uh, to this market? And th- then you're probably going to come out with four or five ideas that are going to be like solving the right problem, but being, having a different approach. So, um, from that, I usually set out either I do surveys initially, or I do like a very easy MVP website and I buy ads. So, uh, whenever you get started, you're never going to, you know, initially it's usually a state of like getting something out and then getting something more out, but having an ad and having a landing page, you can sort of create the end product that you envisioned from the beginning. And I like doing surveys. Inviting people to group discussions that are in the targeted audience that I want to sell to, and I love creating websites and just following sort of analytics to see where people click, if people want to buy, uh, if they share it with someone else, how long they stay on the website, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Usually, what that period phase takes me to is one or two ideas sort of work, but they need more twisting. So from that, I usually have the same type of a work with two or one of the ideas but through like four or five different rounds, testing and testing and retesting. Um, it's not for everyone, but I usually also actually create a deck, which can sound counterproductive when I have the one or two ideas that I want to move forward, forward with. Um, and that is just to get input from industry experts. So industry experts, like they're, you know, everyone's busy and we, we have our own thing. Uh, so asking for advice, you need to be really cautious in like how you ask for advice. And one of the best ways I've found to ask for advice is just put everything as much as you can down to deck, because that's how, uh, experts in the field are used to seeing ideas and information. Um, and that's going to help you get some people to crack, crack down on the idea and figure out the problems with what you're currently thinking. So that's normally my, my like initial approach, uh, to figure out where I want to go with an idea. <clears throat> so now like this spring, uh, I probably did like 20 different, I had 20 different ideas that I was, I was passionate about all of them. One of them took off, which is actually now a company. And then everything of this have led to this big company that I'm going to, that I'm soon to to be launching. Uh, So I've had, I've had like so much fun throughout these last couple of months uh, doing all of this.
2: I mean, um, sorry, let me just jump in. I've got um, a few points uh, that I would like to make and also, it's quite interesting in terms of, you know, you keep mentioning fun uh, and, you know, I think that's that's really great. And, um, I mean, I know, you know, some companies, you know, are going to be great at doing sales and marketing and, and others are going to be great at, you know, products. You know, there, there are many ways to create value and obviously, you, you know, you're proving that. But for me, I just want to dig a bit further in terms of finding out you know, the importance of understanding who you are as a founder. So you've, you've been running for the last 10 years or so. Uh, I'm going to throw it in there. So in terms of being a female founder, how have you found that journey? You know, have you faced any hurdles throughout the journey? What do you think, you know, how, how do you evaluate yourself? How do you bypass all that noise essentially?
1: So I think we talked about this initially, like um, regarding me jumping from different industries. So initially, like I know that one of my strengths is seeing opportunities and figuring out solutions. I know one of my ch- strength is finding people to ask for advice uh, and guidance within the right industry. Uh, this has been crucial for my career and for all the startups and ideas that I've had. As I've continued the journey I know that I'm good in sales. I know that I'm good in relationships. I, I'm street smart to the point of like, I can solve problems. I'm really fast at assessing a situation and trying to figure out a solution for it. Um, and I think you just need to get in there. And, and I think I had a coach for a number of years, which was super helpful. I, I wish I still had a coach. Uh, there's no need for me. Like there's, there's always a need for everyone to have a coach uh, who can help you assess who you are and what strengths you have and what weaknesses you have to try to figure that out. And I think it doesn't matter if you're, if you're a woman or if you're a man or if you're young or if you're older. I mean, I've gone through when I was, when I started, I was 19. That was a totally like completely different situation than I, than the situation I am in now. And, and the biggest difference is age, right? So now I, co- I, I come with experience. I come with age. I, I can prove what I've done being 19 and haven't done anything, you're going to face so many more obstacles along the way. Um, so we're all, all going to have problems, uh, in one way or another. And I think you just, you need to find a way to build awareness and just being, being really proud over like the strengths that you have and, and putting yourself in a position where, you surround yourself with people that can support you with everything that you're not strong in where you, where you have weaknesses. I don't know if that's what you asked, but I, I, I would just say like, it's, it's, it's a journey, find someone to help you figure out, you know, who you are, put yourself in a position where a founder company, um, fit is, 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 is extremely important. Right. So, um, again, I keep com- coming back to this now in this conversation, but the, the initial two companies I had was an extremely good founder startup fit for me because both startups had an obvious problem. And at that point I was just so dedicated to becoming successful, meaning I, I was so dedicated to solving those problems. Uh, I wasn't necessarily passionate about the vision and mission, but I was like extremely passionate about becoming a successful entrepreneur. I could never run any of those companies today. I, I couldn't do it. Um, so, so now I know i need I need something else for it to be a good founder, startup fit. So you just need to be aware. you need to be honest and you need to get feedback. And I do, like especially if you're getting started if you're young, I think a coach is amazing to help you just figure out the different personality types that lives within you and what you need to 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 have them thrive. So, raising awareness is hard because you need to be you need to be completely open for feedback. And normally, we are not like getting feedback and it, like receiving feedback listening to feedback and changing is something that we need to be that we need to work on and that we need to be dedicated to doing so again i think uh number 1 try if you have employees or when you do you should give them a monthly or whatever suits you know your work schedule with for them and you probably like a monthly sit down it doesn't have to be long but like How are you doing? What have you been doing good? What have you been doing less good? What are you excited about? What's your, you know, how do you want this to develop in the next coming four to six to eight weeks and so forth? This you need to do with yourself too. And if you can't be honest with yourself, you need someone else to do it with you. Also, if you have employees or if you have partners, um, getting the feedback from them and and really listening is essential. So no one is perfect. We're all going to have flaws. The best we can do is figure out how we can assemble a team around us so that uh, we together become strong. But it's hard. You know, you need to be really honest with yourself when you fuck up. So see the failures that you're doing, learn from them and do better. Listen to feedback that you're getting from people around you and and take them to heart. Uh, it's really easy as an entrepreneur to say, you know, oh, but I'm it's it's not e- it's easy for you to say, you know, I'm alone with this and I'm the CEO and so much pressure and, you know, all that but really take it to heart and see if you can change and then try to assemble a team around you to, to start helping you support you where you, where you have flaws. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's a progress. You're never going to be, uh, you're going to learn how to take feedback and how to change and, and what feedback to listen to and what feedback not to listen to. It's a process. So, um, yeah, I think as an entrepreneur, you just, unless you're Elon Musk, some of just absolutely don't care. But, um, yeah, I, I think for the most of us, we do need to continue becoming better uh, and listening to feedback and learning to listen to feedback and, and, and sort of just just helping ourselves become better.
0: So one thing that, that like you were asking, and I think it got sort of overshadowed a little bit, was this idea of male versus female entrepreneurship. This idea that like females can be able to do whatever men should be able to do. Have you... In your work that you've done, whether it's fundraising, whether it's trying for partnerships, convincing customers, have you felt that at any point it's been a disadvantage or a flaw um, being a different gender?
1: Listen, when you're at like a dinner that an investor invites you to and you're the only one, the only women out of 20 participants and after five glasses of wine, you have like five people moving their chair to sit near next to you it's, it's, it's nothing that you as a male entrepreneur ever have to experience. Right. So it's, it's extremely frustrating at times. Uh, I do want to think and, and say that it gets better. Um, I think it's a good conversation that we have overall right now that like things needs to change. I think this is finally a topic that we do discuss and I hope it continues and not, you know, that we can see some real changes. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's been times where I'm like s- sick of it and and I'm just sad over the situation for sure. At the same time, you know, i me as a person can be frustrated and 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 I really hope we see big changes, but it cannot be something that I think about or let me you know have it slow slow me down at any time. It's there, and it gets to me at times, but it's nothing that i that i It's something that I try to keep at at an arm's length. And uh, we were talking about energies before, like a type of revenge energy can also come from, from experience like this, not in a good way, Uh, but you need to utilize whatever, whatever life gets you, uh, gives you at times.
0: Do you ever flip the script and kind of say, okay, these five people at this dinner party are now bringing their chairs closer to me. I'm going to try to use this as my advantage and, and use the spotlight that I now have on me to talk about my ideas and my passions and hopefully get them to be interested, even if they're only interested because of the superficial nature of what's going on.
1: No, absolutely not. I would never work with assholes. So, no, like that's just bad for them because I'm not going to give them my deal flow and I'm not going to give them my companies or like invite them to deals, right? So essentially this is going to be bad, worse for them than it is for me if you look at the full picture. Uh, cause no, I'm really careful with who I work with. W-
0: what would, however old you are now, tell your 19 year old self, um, about entrepreneurship or about what she's going to step into as a 19 year old?
1: I don't know if I would say anything. Cause sometimes the less, you know, the better it is because <laughs> it is very hard. <laughs> and, um, I think everyone needs to find their own path. Um, I think I, I don't know if I would say anything, to be honest, it's, it's a discovery. And, and, uh, you know, me as a person, I, I love learning new things. I love, you know, finding out for myself, finding my own path. And, um, I think that's a huge part of entrepreneurship. You just need to get out there and go get it and just, you know, yeah, you just need to go get it and, uh, be ready for anything. And I think I, I was, and I think anyone that is Brave enough to step away from a salary or step away from studies to do their own thing, um, they're ready to find their own path, and that needs to be what it is.
2: Now, in terms of fa- failure, I know we're talking about fa- failing business and you know starting all over again. Um, do you do you believe that? Obviously, you've been experienced for you know, over ten years. Do you believe founders? not being able to change their minds about something is a is a major reason why startups fail
1: yeah and we can just look at me as an example um i i know and i knew at the time that my company vint needed to pivot earlier but when you're in the idea you're like as an entrepreneur you're usually married to whatever you're doing you're so excited to see this come alive. And especially at a time where like some things are working, you have positive data and then you have negative data to step away from it and really say, we're going to kill our, our darling. We're going to kill our baby because of this negative data is really, really hard. Uh, what is also hard is figuring out a new idea that fits into sort of the costume that you've created. Uh, cause you don't want to, even if you understand at once, you know, one point, like you should, and, Maybe you brainstorm, you try to come up with a new pivot and a new idea and, and changes to make. It, it's really hard to come up with these changes and ideas at the time because your brain is still trying to also figure out how can we make this that we already have to work, right? So um, I think, you know, there's um, there's two things that kill companies um, the most and, and they are connected. But one is n- not willing to change. And the second is money. Because if you don't have money, you're gonna die, and money is time, right? So, so time, time, money, and then willing, willingness to change. Um, and those three in combination is just lethal. If you don't, if you don't change in time, you're not gonna have the money to survive longer and so forth. Yeah. Preferably, you would bootstrap until you have you know data that you can fundraise on. Uh, otherwise, it's gonna be really you know just take you a lot of time to try to find money, and it's gonna be very very expensive. I encourage everyone to bootstrap until you have data. That will help you do a successful uh, raise. So it depends on if you're a SaaS company, B2B company, B2C company and so forth, right? But you should think of fundraising as once you open up and show your data, investors will come. You should never ask for money. You should just show your data. <laughs> that, that's, you know, then you're going to have a successful raise. So of course you can raise on, on, on an idea. It's getting more and more difficult. It's just, it's just very expensive. You need to think about it like, if you're going to raise money. And I, I do want to stress this. Not all businesses need to raise money. A lot of businesses do fine without raising money. Um, even better without raising money. Raising money comes with a lot of different types of headaches, right? Uh, and if you get into uh, to fundraising, you're pro- you, you you should plan on having a your seed, A, B, C, D, and so forth, which makes a ton of dilution in the end, right? So again, like thinking of that first round, like depending on like, dilution of that first round, it's going to hit you really hard at series C and so forth.
2: And when is a good time to change your mind? So I've started my first business, jumped onto my second business and things are just not working out. When is a good time to change? When is a good time to figure all that out?
1: We've been talking about like being honest with your own failures, being honest with your own So, and it's hard, but if you get to that point where you can really, really be honest with like, what am I doing good? And what am I not doing good? And then listening to your gut feel, the gut feel is going to tell you, this is just the same gut feel as when you've hired someone and you really want that person to work, but the person doesn't work. And at the time you fired that person, you you had known for like two months that you needed to fire that person. It would have been better to do it two months earlier, but you just didn't. And I think it's the same thing with your company. Like when that gut feel you know, tells you that something's up, you need to either pivot or just like spend your time doing something else. But it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy.
0: Last actual question before we wrap it up. Um, Louise, you said that you had a ton of ideas that you were working on and then you narrowed it down to two and then you decided that you're going to pick one of them to go forward with. What are you doing with the other 19 ideas? And can our audience, including us, potentially get some eyes or ears on those?
1: Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, there. I just threw them out the trash. So I, I haven't done anything. I don't know if it's worth it though, uh, because obviously they didn't do well in testing phase. So I don't think it's. I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend anyone running for the like with the ideas. But it was uh, a new type of probiotic. It was a new type of pea protein, uh, lean pea protein that you could produce in baby foods. Uh, it was a new type of delivery service for healthy foods that had a twist. Of course, that exists, but it had a good twist. And then we had, oh yeah, we had a new type of infant formula that was also going to use pea protein as a main source, but not here in the US in in Scandinavia. H- high level, you see, it's 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 very different ideas. <laughs> so, but all of them, all of them had something to do with like nutrition and health. So um, yeah, my, my way of thinking when I look at something new is usually like, where do I want to go? Where do I feel the, the world needs um, help? Uh, what type of things could I potentially be doing here? And then I just throw a lot of things out to try to learn. It's so, and, and I have to be very, very uh, curious with this. Some people learn from reading, reading, reading. I learn from doing. So you also need to understand what type of person you are. How do you learn and how do you pick things up? Uh, are you the reading type? Are you the talking with people type or are you the doing type? So I know that I'm the doing type person. So I just need to get things out there, learn about the process, learn about the industry in the meantime, you know, get to know people, see the results. And from that, I can make a good decision of like, what's a good founder company, uh, fit and where, where, where is, there is a market to be, to be tackled.
0: Um, If our, um, if our audience wants to follow you, Louise, how can they follow you? Do you have a a Twitter handle, a blog post, um, YouTube channel?
1: Yes. So they can find me on medium. They can find me on Twitter. Um, I think that's the best channels currently. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, thanks so much for your time. And, um, yeah, if you need anything, any help from us with your amazing ideas or your next venture, um,
2: we would love to participate. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it.
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it.